Welcome to the Costello Coaching Podcast, where we talk about developing the human within the athlete. My vision is to enhance people's performance in all aspects of their lives. I hope you enjoy. And we're back with the Costello Coaching Podcast. I'm Tommy Costello with our man, Andrew Rohrbach. And today we're going to break down choking. And what does that mean? Wait, what kind of choking? Choking in sport. Ah, uh, okay. And Andrew has an article today that he's been working on. Um that breaks down why some people choke, um, why some don't, why some succeed under the pressure, under the limelight, and how you can get better in high-pressure moments. So without further ado, my man. Uh, Tommy, good to see you again. Really good to see you. Uh, I heard you had a dinner last night that went pretty well. Yeah, dinner. We we went to dinner with the Costello coaching team, a bunch of men. And actually, I want to talk about that for a second. I would love to. So something that we figured out amongst the group of men that was at dinner was eight people um, that are all a part of what we're doing and what we're talking about today and who we're serving and who we're helping. And like we've discussed on this podcast before, um, I've been trained to think about our human emotion, our human experience and thinking and leadership in three different domains and three different brains, really. The uh, the CEO brain, which is thinking, analytical, money, power, success, uh, drive, passion. And then the heart brain is more about um, putting your energy and your passion into whatever you're working on and not worrying so much about um, the numbers per se. And then the gut brain is working off of intuition and where you are, you're, don't have to break down the concept so in depth. You just have to listen to your gut and respond with your gut. So working within those three domains, I understood that the men that showed up to dinner last night, and these men have been compiled over the past about year. Um, I've been working with them independently and they've been helping my players uh, independently. And we had never gotten together as a team. And last night was the first time we got together as a team. I realized that all the men showed up because they want to work from their heart brain. And that was really, really powerful. Every single person there wanted to work from their heart brain. No one was there with the CEO cap on. No one was there just firing from the hip on intuition. Everyone had an open heart and was there to serve people. More specifically, there was there to serve people that they once were and, and help those people. So it was really special dinner last night. Uh, it was a special, I couldn't even eat. You didn't, you missed it. Um, but I didn't, I didn't eat anything. Well, I was there for an hour or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and then I had to go, but I had some of the the wings. They were good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The food was good. Okay. Service was there. Service was there. Yeah. 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 She was interesting. Yeah. But it was it was great. It was a great night. And got to uh got to really just spend quality time with, with each other, which was fun. Yeah. Well, listen, I said this to you last night on the phone before dinner. Uh I just want you to be proud of yourself. You know, like this is a, a very amazing thing that you're doing is creating this business to help enlighten not only the people that are around you and yourself on how to create a business and how to, you know, go after your goals, but you also bring a lot of people with you and that mm -hmm. dinner was celebrating you at the same time. So I appreciate it. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I even said it. I said, it feels like a birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was fun. Yeah. It was like, I got all my friends at a dinner table and it, it was, uh, and it was really like, it's one thing to have friends, but then another thing to be around people that you love that are all on the same mission. 
that was what was really powerful is, you know, a birthday party, you could have a bunch of friends and maybe someone does stocks and another does insurance and that guy does that. But like last night, everyone was there, was a friend of mine and someone that I love, but there to serve the same population and had a really strong calling. So that was, I think, a really special thing. Yeah. And and we'll add one thing to, um, in terms of inviting some people to the party and some not, sometimes your mom makes you invite that one kid from your class that you're not really friends with, (laughs) (laughs) but he's got to be there. Yep. So, uh, that wasn't there last night. Hopefully you found all the people that are in your circle and you love. Yeah. All right. 100%. All right. So I wasn't that kid that your mom made you invite. No, no, you definitely weren't that kid. I would have let you know too. Yeah, you would have. Maybe Robbie. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Robbie. You listen to every podcast. I just wanted to throw you in there. Uh, geez, funny. Okay. Well, enough funny, funny. Let's do a second episode of this sports yep. psychology. Yep. Cool. You already introed it a little bit. Concept of choking. Mm-hmm. I think I want to preface this a little bit with this concept. Not a lot of people choke, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a thing that doesn't happen too often. You can't, it can happen for sure, but it's not like, Oh, this is an everyday occurrence. You striking out three days isn't, you know, three times in a game doesn't mean that you're choking. Mm-hmm. So we'll preface it by that. The article is choking interventions in sport. Um, something we're talking about in class right now that was really relevant. And I thought we had some good tangible evidence of maybe we introduce what choking is use a good, big vocabulary definition of it, please. And then we'll go into some, um, interventions to help people if they cool find themselves with that. Sound yeah, good? Yeah. Cool. So choking, uh, Tommy, you know, this basically suboptimal performance in pressured situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, pressure is pretty much any factor that increases a person's anxiety. So that could be, you know, to, to choke, you have to have a existent skill. So you have to be already able to do it, right? You can't be in the process of learning a skill. You must already know the skill be pretty proficient in the skill. And from that point, then you can choke. So anyone who's learning so a new you have skill to be like an expert first. Yeah. Kind I, of. Yeah. 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 Essentially. Like you wouldn't say a, a 12 year old baseball player is choking. Right. Unless they've learned that skill over and over again. And they've, you know, I don't know what the metric is on what, yeah, who's proficient or not. It makes sense. And to choke, you must have that skill and you also must have a motivation to perform well. If you don't have a motivation to perform well, you most likely probably won't choke. Mm-hmm. So this is this concept of, hey, I already know this skill. I'm taking a PK in my life at the world stage and I really want to make this. You have an optimal time mm-hmm. to probably choke. Um, so it's, the article talked about this thing called the distraction ma- model. And basically the distraction, distraction model, sorry guys, is the attention shifts from task relevant to irrelevant cues because of heightened anxiety. Mm. So you go from, all right, I got to kick this to some internal and external cues that happen for you. Internal cues could be, I'm worried that I'm not going to kick this and I'm not going to make this PK. Uh, If I don't, we're going to lose this game. Internal stuff, something that you think about in your mind and in your body, you start feeling, and then that becomes too much for you to then uh, your physical skills start to alter and then therefore you choke. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So that's the internal portion of this. The external portion is the crowds too loud. Is dad in the stands yelling, screaming at you is you, the, the weather a little bit in that, that might not be as much, but now I don't know what you guys discussed in class. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a question as you kind of talk about that is, did they talk about anything regarding choking is internally created or externally created? It's both. 
So it's, it's your response to the external. Yeah. So like when you say dad in the stands or, you know, maybe coach yelling at you or whatever the situation is coming from the outside, mm-hmm. there was nothing regarding, whereas like if these things are happening, uh, the likelihood of choking increases, nothing like that. Um, n- nothing specific. Yeah. It's, it can be any external cue. So for me, example, like when I was pitching in college at Long Beach state, mm-hmm. we played at the university of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play there? I've, I've played baseball in that stadium. I've never played a game though. Okay. So you just, the stadium is stacked. It's so uh, it's huge. It's huge. And they sell out and it's they sell sick. out. They have TVs in the, the stands to watch yeah. the game that's being played right in front of them. And I was running out there. I was a Friday night guy. I was running out there it's and electric. I was normally like, yeah, I was electric, man. I was, I'm normally a pretty cool, calm and collective guy. I had my, I had my processes to get myself centered, mm-hmm. but as soon as I sat there on the mound and for the first time looked up towards the catcher and I saw all the people there and I saw everybody in the stands and it was electric, it took my breath away. Mm. I went, Oh, and I had to take a second. I had to step off the mound before the game even started. I had to use like an actual cue to get myself to get back into that frame. Was of your life. heart rate up? Yeah. Uh, once I saw the stands. Yeah. I imagine my sweaty heart rate- hands. Yeah. One, as soon as it happened. Mm-hmm. I've had that once before in my life too. It was weird. It wasn't like a big game or anything, mm-hmm. but I was pitching against like a prospect. He was getting drafted in the first round and there was a lot of scouts that had actually like texted me that they were going to come watch me pitch, you know, this and that. And I felt like it was like my last chance kind of opportunity mm-hmm. uh, when I was in college, like, Oh my God, I got to really show out. And I took the mound and the stands were all, it was, I knew all the scouts. So I was like, Oh my God. And then just all the radar guns went up and my focus was there. And then the hitter came up and all the cameras came out and I was like, Oh man. And my heart rate was racing. My palms were super sweaty. I think I walked two batters in a row and it felt like I had walked six runs in. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Only way this podcast grows is if it's shared. So please share it with your friends, family, or anyone you feel like it can help enhance their performance in their life. A little karma goes a long way. Let's get back to the show. And, you know, it was just like, but I, it got, it got way outside of me. It wasn't choking per se, but it was, um, whatever type of anxiety that was overpowered my performance. Well, that's a technically a form of choking. Like what, what, what constitutes someone actually choking in a game? Is it like a big moment? It could be a big moment. It could be that. It could yeah. be two walks in a row that turn into six because you weren't able to slow the game down. Essentially, mm-hmm. it's how do how do you define choking in your career as your performance, and then how do like the fans decide choking? I feel like the fans decide choking typically when it's like a big shot in a basketball game, or a putt in golf, or a, a dropped pass as a receiver, maybe an error by a, a fielder, you know. I think like a sequence of events isn't choking. It's just poor performance. Yeah. Um, but I think in, in this concept, in this context, in this conversation, um, choking is more quantified here as like something externally and internal emotions created uh, the result that you weren't desiring. Right. Because the anxiety of that situation, whether it's an internal or external cue took you too high so that you are not able to perform the physical skill that you have learned your entire life and don't have to think about. Exactly. Right. So it's a weird concept to think about that. If you are not able to perform this physical skill, something else is affecting it, whether that's external yeah. or internal. So that's essentially. When, and when you sent me this article, I had one, um, I've thought about this concept of choking obviously before 
And my perspective on this is if you aren't in the position to choke, if you aren't put in those positions first, then you shouldn't have an expectation of success. Meaning we need repetitions in high pressure situations in order to succeed in them consistently. So you look at like a Michael Jordan and LeBron James um, as two competitors or Tiger Woods or Derek Jeter, you know, the, Tom Brady, the list can go on. We, everyone knows who those people are, but they have failed in those environments before. And we remember them for all their success that they had in those moments, not so much for their failures, but it was the amount of chances they had that they got better at that act. You know, you, you need the reps to get better at something, you know, as this isn't the first time we've podcast and the more you podcast, the better you get at podcasting. Well, the more chances you get at taking the game winning shot, the more often you'll succeed and hit the game winning shot. So I don't like putting pressure on people and saying that they're choking when maybe they, that was their first time ever taking a game winner. You know what I mean? That's just like, you just missed the shot, but everyone misses, you know, 30% of their shots or 40% or 50% of their shots. So, um, that's like my thought process on it is maybe you could limit the amount of choking if you quantified it as, all right, how many times have you taken this high pressure moment on? And if you have taken it on 20 times before and you've succeeded, you know, so many times, then maybe you have, you, you choked, but it's the same concept of like, uh, the, if, what's the opposite of choking is coming up clutch. Mm-hmm. I think coming up clutch is like a relevant term too, because it's the amount of chances that they've had in that moment. And then their success ratio, you know? Yeah, I would agree. And I think what you're saying is if you give yourself more opportunity to be in that situation, then you're going to have a better chance of fighting those demons or that high anxiety or those internal external cues that are going to take your anxiety too high you're going to have more opportunities to understand how to lower that anxiety. And there's things you can train with that. You don't have to necessarily be in that situation. You could train it through cognitive and behavioral interventions, mm-hmm. right? For- if you were, if you were to train someone on this now, mm-hmm. now that you have, you know, you've obviously played at the highest of levels in sport and you've been in those moments, which is really cool. You've lived it, you've performed in them knowing what you know now in terms of the science behind all this and and the research that you've been in conversation with, how would you coach that? Yeah. Well, before someone even steps on a field, if I was just going to like use the psychology aspect and train them that way, I would use visualization as a huge key, Mm -hmm. uh, setting yourself up to visualize maybe specific counts that you're in. If we're using baseball as a term or visualization in terms of if you're ready to, you know, make that PK at the Olympic games. I would use visualization. I would coach that into that. I'd also use goal setting. So I'd give them a goal. I would listen to their goals and help them set realistic expectations for those goals. For example, sometimes we used to do at Long Beach state, we do um, one, one counts and we goal set how many times we want to win a one, one count. So for oh, example, I love winning the one, one, yeah, the one, one huge, the statistics yeah. on winning or losing that is very, very, Hey, uh, note that we're going to talk about that at practice today. Winning the one, one count. Yeah. One, one count. So goal setting, how many batters you want to win that? If that's out of 10 batters, I get a one, one count. I want to win seven of them. 
that gives you an opportunity to slow yourself down, right? You start thinking of the actual process that it needs to get to that point instead of letting the anxiety of that situation take over. That's really cool. Yeah. So goal setting, uh, mental toughness training, that's mindfulness, positive self-talk affirmation training. That's how I would kind of like implicate it to some. Is there anything where, um, it's like physical too. So I saw on Instagram today, university of Arizona was throwing bullpens and they had all 16 of their pitchers. Did you see this? I don't know. Mm -mm. So they had all 16 of their pitchers surrounded, um, the, the pitcher. And then they had the edutronics video camera behind. They had the track man behind the catcher and the whole team was cheering on this pitcher, like in a horseshoe around him on the bullpen mound. And the coaches are there and he's like, all right, fastball four spot. And the guys are like, come on, let's go, baby. Let's go. Let's go. And he, he throws the ball. Yeah, let's go. And they were like simulating like the energy, which I thought was so cool. Um, I feel like it falls perfectly in line with what we're talking about. Yeah. Actionable way to kind of prepare someone for the moment cognitively. Yeah, we did that at Long Beach State where oh, we, did. Did the, we did the opposite where we weren't we building it up. We were chirping. And, yeah. And it's it's tough. People have to buy into that process. You know, the pitcher yeah, has to I, buy that's into That's why it. I kind of liked the U of A one because I had seen the chirp one before and we did that in junior college. It's kind of like, it's almost like a, it's just like a funny day. You know what I mean? You can't like take it too serious. Or even it, on, on Instagram, there's these guys that show up to golf courses and they, they like the group, the foursome comes by and they pay the group or they, the group pays the guys to chirp them. Mm-hmm. Like he makes fun of them. Like he, he you know, steps up to the tee box and tells a joke about him. Yeah. You know, and like tries to distract him. Yeah. That's kind of like what those pens were like, which is fun and silly. But I feel like the, the supportive way is actually in hyping them up and having energy behind it is a little bit more realistic. That's a good point. I'll bring up a Long Beach State thing too. We did that training where we chirped and then we also built the guy up. Okay. And then it actually was very applicable to a game situation. So that pitcher was in a situation and it was like a one, one count and everyone in the dugout, even though it was, you know, Long Beach State, we had a good amount of people there. We sat there and we're like, Hey, this is a situation. Let's bring this up. And what it does is it like gets you off that frame of mindset that you yeah. currently are running in. And the kids started like laughing, laughing. on the mouth. <laughs> yeah. That's he awesome. Had to collect, collect himself. But then, you know, he has real applicable experience that he did do that. Yeah. That's cool. One other thing that people are starting to train is this concept of quiet eye training. Have you heard of this? Yeah. You have, I have. Yeah. Go ahead. Explain it. So essentially it's, it's setting your eyesight on a specific visual cue and then holding the eye for like two seconds and then verbally making a statement that your eyes are set and then using the action from there. Mm. So they do it like in basketball. Mm-hmm. There's a coach. Um, we learned this at school. The coach had this guy sit there, take a two, two bounces with the basketball coming at the free throw line. And he set his eyes like right at the very front of the, the rim and it would sit there and quiet eye. And then would go like vision set and then would vocalize shoot, it, vocalize it. You have to vocalize it. Yeah. And now, they, f- they found that their percentage increase from within three seasons went up from like 40, like 40% to like 80, 85% or 90%. They became like the best free throw shooters. And it really, what it's doing is it's, it's letting you take a second, okay. have your vision focused. And so that kind of like shrinks anything from the external, right? You get really, really, really focused point. Like I'm focused right now on your eyes and I'm not going to like let myself get locked off of that. Mm-hmm. It 
it, your attention can only be focused on like one thing when it gets too many things. That's when you start going all over the place. Like, yeah. What am I doing? Right. You're not focused on that. So quiet eye training is another aspect of how I would train this. With I'm going to do that at practice today and the way I'm going to do it at practice. And as silly as it kind of sounds for anyone that's played baseball, um, when we play catch, I do it like football practice. The balls are in the glove and I say, set, throw, and everyone throws on command. Set, throw. They all throw on command. And for every dropped ball that there is, at the end of catch play, we have three push-ups per dropped ball. So if there's 12 drops throughout the catch play session for the team, we all have 36 push-ups, coaches included. And the point is, if I believe that catch play is so important because 83% of errors come from bad throws and 17% comes from fielding errors, then we should put a huge focus into playing catch well. And what has happened is they don't talk during catch play. And you could go be at the highest level of Division One schools and you could go watch the pitchers play catch or the infielders play catch. There's drop balls all the time. And if you just tallied it from the sidelines without having the set throw and you watch how many drop balls, you can go to Division One practice. I guarantee you there's going to be 15 to 30 drop balls, like at least. And we got a bunch of 13-year-olds playing catch. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to say set vision and I'm going to explain what that means. Set vision and I'm going to force the opposite person to set their glove. Set vision, throw. And where we've gone is we've the initial. So I, I tell them there's goals and their standards. So the standard is we're not going to exceed 10 drops today. And the goal is we're going to go for five. We're not going to exceed, you know, we're going for less than five drops there's no way in hell that we get 10, you know, that's our standard. Like that's our standard. We're not. So what I'm going to do is they've been consistently hitting that four number for the last three practices, which is really cool. It's such efficient catch play. And then when we go do infield drills, they play catch better because they're trained to play catch. Well, um, let's see what the numbers do. When I say set vision throw, they might not go up immediately, but they definitely are going to have an opportunity. You're going to, if you set that as a foundation that they do that, they'll find a way to do it within the game situation as well. Like a guy fielding a ground ball, pick up the first base, pick up the first baseman immediately, pick up this. It's or, good training though. Yeah. It's a, it's, but There's it a purpose behind it. Right. And so the purpose really sets you in a situation where you're not focusing your energy on something else, right? External or internal. Your attention is being focused externally on something that is productive like they do this within soccer, like the exact, the first example of this is a German guy practicing before the world cup to set yeah. PKs. And what he used to do was just say, I'm going to hit it to the back, right of the net, very top. And he'd say it out loud. He'd have to say it out loud. And even though the, the goalie knew where the ball was going, he still made it in right. Because his attention is focused on exactly what he's got to do. Now he's got a set skill. He's done it many times before and he's proven to, be able to do that now he's just setting his attention on what is actually really the, the matter some point and yeah and we've there. done we've done bullpens even me and you together where you'll this is something that i notice is within myself and within others is if they simply if the pitcher simply says right, i'm going to throw this breaking ball it's going to start right here and it's going to break down like this and it's going to start at your shoulder and end up at your knee if they just say that the pitch happens more often than not yeah and they look legit doing it because it's pretty cool. But yeah. um, there's something with you know setting it out there and then executing it and building confidence off the fact that you said you were going to do it, you did it, and then you're more confident. 
it's pretty simple, but it's, uh, it's overlooked. Yeah. So this whole concept and this, all these things that we've talked about today uh, allows you maybe some tangible evidence and tangible things that you can do in your life and your sport or whatever it is. It it doesn't just have to be sport, Mm -hmm. set an attention focus to a certain attitude throughout the day, or something specific. You want to write down goals that you want to achieve throughout the day. Stay, stay attention focused to that. Set your eyes focused to it. Something along those lines. Beautiful. Set your eyes to it and accomplish it. There you go. Awesome. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you benefited from this. Give the show a follow, share it, and comment what you'd like to hear more of so we can help more people perform in all aspects of their lives. 